Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to tonight's episode of Stay Focused. Uh, my name is Pastor Jay Oregon. I am the director of the Appalachian Prayer Center Ministries and uh, the host of this um, program, Stay Focused. Tonight, I am just going to kind of jump in real quick to the topic. Um, I've got a lot of things I want to go through. I've been up since early this morning processing and reprocessing a lot of my thoughts. Um, and I'm just going to say, well, first let me introduce what I'm going to talk about. I want to talk about concept of biblical authority, more accurately, I should say, biblical church authority. Uh, tonight's topic isn't on the authority of Scripture, which I believe that Scripture is the final authority in the, in the life of all uh, believers. But specifically, tonight is a continuation of um, a couple of other talks I've given on Stay Focused on episode 6 and 7 where I really talked about the importance of, of uh, centering yourself first in relationship with God, knowing your place. In episode six, I talked about knowing your place. I've talked a lot about having communion with God, prayer. And then from that, God will place you in the church. God will give you assignments. God will give you things to do. God will give you ministry to others. Uh, the great commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like the first, which is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And as I often say, that these are not either-or commandments. It's either. It's not either. Uh, I spend all my time in devotion to the Lord and the secret place, or I spend all my time serving people on behalf of the Lord. No, it's not an either-or. It's what's first and what's second. Anyway, I've, I've spent a lot of other teaching time. Uh, talking about that, and I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those. I'm, I'm hoping real soon to have these, uh, all of these teachings I've been doing on a um, audio pod, a podcast where you can download and listen to whenever you, you would like. Uh, but tonight is kind of a continuation of the of the other um, of this 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 topic that I've, I've been um, teaching on concerning uh, your place in the body of Christ. Uh, Tonight I want to talk about, because, um, let's let me back up a second. The last time I was talking about this, I, I talked about the importance of submitting yourself to, to church authority. And so I want to talk more about what I mean when I say that. Um, authority, man, that's a big word. Uh, and and I, just, I just want to say at the beginning and at the end, I will probably say it again. Uh, I would encourage you to pick up this book by John Bevere called Undercover. Um, I've I've had a lot of people recommend this book to me. Uh, actually, uh, right as the quarantine began, I was taking a group in my church through this book. And and tonight's topic, uh, excuse me, tonight's teaching is not pulled from the book. I mean, we might hit a couple of, of of similar areas, but it's not like a verbatim teaching from the book. But uh, in, in the book Undercover, John Bevere talks about how that in our culture, we don't like the word authority. Uh, sometimes, as believers, we like knowing that we have authority. Like we have authority, Jesus said in Luke 10, I give you authority over um, uh, demons and serpents and scorpions. And, and we like knowing we have spiritual authority, but we really don't like the concept of authority, particularly in Western culture, because... And uh, we are trained with a, a democratic um, mindset, uh, meaning um, everyone gets a say. And, and I know this is a hot topic, and I'm pushing buttons here, but 
Jesus came teaching the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we all don't get a say. Now, I know that just sounds rough. Uh, John goes into a lot of detail in, in the book Undercover about this. But the kingdom of God is a kingdom. And in a kingdom, a, a king's will is um, brought out. A king's will is accomplished. And let me just go right into a, a scripture, okay? And this is just going to set us up for the, the, the night. And then we're going to go back and forth. I want to encourage you to get a pen, paper, write this down. I encourage you to go back and listen to the teaching because I'm going to go through a lot of things. All right, let's just begin here. Um, I was working on this uh, even as I was beginning, and it looks like my slides are just a little off. Okay, uh, sorry that you had to see that. But anyway, let's read this. Uh, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, this is just a very arrogant thing for Jesus to say, unless it's true. And then later on in Acts 2, uh, Peter, preaching the first sermon, says that God has made Jesus both Lord and Christ. By the way, I, I just want to mention, uh, we don't make Jesus Lord. God has already made Jesus Lord. We either live in submission to his lordship or, or in rebellion against his lordship. But that, that's another topic, uh, which I will be teaching on soon. Uh, but Jesus said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus, uh, because of his authority, said that all the nations of the world should be taught his way. Because he has this authority that's been given to him by the Father. Uh, okay, let, let me just uh, take us and give us a definition of the word authority. That word there, uh, exousia, which is we just read, what Jesus said, all authority, all exousia has been given to me. Now notice this. The word exousia means power or jurisdiction. It's the power of rule or government. The power of him whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. Now, now you understand why that John Bevere in Undercover would say we really don't like that idea of authority in our culture. Because in a kingdom, a king's will is what's accomplished. Now, we have a good king. Uh, the good thing about Jesus is, is that Jesus made us, uh, his words come from the Father. So his decree, his will, they are good and right. And so if we listen to him, as he said, it's like building our, our, our uh, life on a rock. But if we listen and don't obey him, it's like building our, our life on sand. And I find that a lot of Christians people who profess faith in Jesus, listen, but don't obey. And so what you end up having is little fragments of truth. That's what sand is, little, little microscopic um, rock fragments. It's shifty. It's like pieces of truth, but it's not a solid rock. Now, Jesus said to Peter, um, when he asked the disciples, who am I? They said, you know, people, people said, you're, you're uh, different things. He said, who do you say I am? Now, notice this. Let's pick this up. And Peter said, um, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, I'll tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of, of hell, Hades, will not overcome it. 
and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I want you to notice that word keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This whole passage, Jesus is talking about authority. See, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Then Luke 10, he said, I give you authority. And he's really just bringing us back to the garden where God gave man authority over the earth. And so Jesus is, is through his life and teachings, and as, as restored sons and daughters of God, we are to live in the authority we were once given. And this isn't so much authority over people as much as it is authority to do what the Father has asked us to do. Now, um, with this concept, Jesus said on this, this rock, this, this understanding of who I am, again, all authority has been given to me, he said, so under this understanding of who I am, he said, I will build my church on this rock, not fragments, pieces, but on the rock of who Jesus is and the obedience to Jesus. Now, you've got to understand that. And if you're truly under Jesus' authority, you're, you obey him. That's why Jesus said that, If again, I want to say it again, um, if you listen to me and obey, you're building your life on rock. Just saying Jesus is Lord is not enough. Even, even demons know who he is. Jesus himself said, some people will say, uh, come to me and say, Lord, Lord, and I'll say, I, I don't know who you are. He said, but those who do the will of the Father, they're mine. That doesn't mean doing the will of the Father gets you saved, but it means if you are saved, you'll do the will of the Father. Again, let me just say this carefully. Upon the rock of the authority of who Jesus is, you will, you will build your life and you will obey him. That's, that's the authority. And then Jesus said, let's just look at it again. Jesus said, um, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. So in this passage, this keys, again, Jesus is talking about authority. See, authority is like the jurisdiction or permission. I want you to think about that when you when you think of the word juris, when you think of the word authority, think of the word permission. You have a right. You have permission. You have power. You have legal authority, you have legal permission to do a certain thing. That's like a key. If I give you a key to my house, I'm giving you permission to enter into my house. If not, I keep the key to myself. You knock on the door like everyone else. I will decide whether you get in or not. If I give you a key, I'm giving you a permission to let, giving you permission to let yourself in, right? So Jesus and by the way, this teaching tonight isn't going to fit right into 30 minutes. I'm just going to take my time on it. I'm not going to break it up into to a couple like I originally thought. I'm just going to take my time and teach through this. So first is this rock of Jesus' authority, but then he has given authority to the church. He's given power and jurisdiction. But now here's, here's the thing. The moment you're saved, I've taught this in other, other, other um, uh, segments. I've taught how that God has seated us with Jesus in heavenly realms. The moment you're saved, you have authority. But that doesn't mean you know how to use that authority. It's, it's like this. It's like a police officer. If you were to be pulled over, forget who I first heard this, this example from, but it makes perfect sense. If you were to leave your house right now and blue lights flash and they pull you over, and if you are breaking the law, that officer has the authority, the permission, the legal right, the jurisdiction to enforce the law. It doesn't matter if he's been on the job for one day or 40 years, he still has the same authority. Does this make sense? Now, with time and with training, you learn how to use your authority. And that's what today is going to be about a lot. 
I want us to go to another passage where Jesus talks about authority. Remember the centurion who came and asked Jesus to heal his son? And notice this, um, this interaction that happens. The centurion said, For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I tell you this, and I tell this one rather, go, and he goes, and that one come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. But notice what this man says. I am under authority, and then others are under me. Think about it. So many of us want authority, but we don't necessarily want to be submitted to authority. Now, many believers will say, Jay, I'm submitted to the Lord. That's all there is. But here's the thing. Scripture says that Jesus has appointed authority in his church. He has given. Let's go ahead and just go to the verse. Uh, okay, but, but let me back up. So the, the centurion says, I'm a man under authority, and then people are under me. So in order to properly use authority, you yourself must be submitted to authority. And Jesus praised him. Jesus praised his understanding of authority and faith. And Jesus complimented this man, uh, even to the point of talking about his faith being um, greater than those of God's people, which was pretty uh, offensive for Jesus to say to the, to the um, uh, uh, when you understand the cultural context and the cultural tension between the, the, the Romans, uh, which the centurion was, and, and the Jews of that day, that was just a very tough thing for Jesus to say that this Roman's faith was greater than theirs. But see, the man understood authority. He understood that he must listen and then people listen to him. And so let's look at, and I just want to address people who resist all church authority in their life. They're just like, I'm saved. I don't need anyone telling me what to do. I want to get into this. Well, let me just kind of mention it. For people quote a verse that say, says that, you know, I have no need for anyone to teach me anything because I have the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm just going to tell you that the Holy Spirit will teach you. Absolutely. And you have to learn to listen to his voice. Absolutely. Mama Beverly on, my, on the episode yesterday taught, how, taught us how to get in the secret place, listen to the Lord. Absolutely. But that does not negate biblical church authority in your life. Let's go back. Let's go back to the verses. I want us to look at something. He who descended, meaning Jesus, is the very one who ascended. This is in Ephesians 4, 10 through 12. He ascended higher than all the heavens. Remember, Ephesians 2 has already said that Jesus ascended. God put him above all things. And it's in the, here Ephesians 4 says that Jesus, it was he who Jesus who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This verse is telling us that God placed what we call the fivefold ministry, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers in your life, in my life, so that I can be equipped or trained, taught and brought into maturity and built up, and I'm trained to do works of service. Now, the, the, the point of, and I'm just going to say this, um, and I might come back to this in a, in a minute. The point of godly leadership in your life is not to, to create a dependence on them. 
It's kind of like the goal of parenting is not to create an adult who is forever dependent on you. The goal of parenting is to create uh, an adult out of your children, grow them up into adults that can be self-sufficient. Now, now in, in healthy child-parent relationships, they will always come to you for advice and support and strength. They'll listen. You'll develop a relationship with them as adults to where you, you, you help them. But the relationship changes once that they are mature, but the, the relationship is still there. Same, same thing with good godly leadership. They're not creating a dependence on you, uh, a dependence uh, on them rather, but they are growing you up to maturity. And I want to talk to you in just a minute more about why you need to mature. Now, for those who say, I need no one to, to teach me other than, than the Lord, uh, I, the only thing I'm going to say to that is the verse can't mean what you think it means. Because this verse absolutely says that we are uh, given the fivefold ministry to equip us, train us, prepare us for works of service. Again, not to create a dependency on them, but to grow us up into maturity so that we can be re reproducing sons and daughters of God. So that we're not just children anymore, but we grow up to the point to where we are caring for others. This is God's um, uh, design. And the relationship you will have with fivefold ministry will change as you mature, but you need them in your life. I, I hope this makes sense. Now, uh, let, me, let me talk to you just a little bit about uh, fivefold ministry. Um, the fivefold ministry in a church, uh, they lead the church by giving direction, solid doctrine, care, oversight. The verse says that once we're, if you keep reading Ephesians 4, once you're mature, you're not just tossed around by every wind of doctrine. People who are not anchored to fivefold ministry in their life, they don't have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers who know them or mentoring them, they will be led astray by every doctrine, every new thing that comes out on social media, every new thing is taught. They're not grounded in proper doctrine. Keep reading in Ephesians 4. I don't have time to read all of that tonight, but keep reading is. Once we grow up into maturity, we're just not blown around by every doctrine. See, because the fivefold ministry will give the church direction, solid doctrine, care, and oversight. In the New, in the New Testament example, churches were led, shepherded, cared for, and taught by groups of these leaders, not just by one. I don't have time to get into all that, but these leadership groups are called the elders of the church. Now, now in just a moment, I'm going to talk about the role of elders in your life. Now, um, this type of leadership that's given through godly, gifted church elders and leaders is imperative for your spiritual growth. These leaders, now I'm just going to say, these leaders should um, prove themselves to be trustworthy, though, by going through a system of examination and approval by other qualified leaders. What I'm reading from here is just some teaching I've done on the fivefold ministry that's in a discipleship course that, that I have, but I'm just going to read to you things I have already wrote down because it's just easier to be coming up with it again. Um, so I'm, I'm going to say that qualified elders in your life should prove themselves to be trustworthy. They should be approved by other leaders. We've got to be careful in the body of Christ just appointing, allowing people to appoint themselves. I know other leader can recognize and see what God uh, is calling this person to do. Now, I know I'm going to get the grain on a lot of this teaching, but when you look at the biblical record 
of, of elders being chosen in, in Scripture, existing elders approved new elders. Existing leadership approved new leadership. Now, okay, now my, my, uh, my program here is just doing something just a little weird. I'm just going to assume that everything is okay. Um, all right. Let's just keep let's keep teaching. Um, the the uh, church leaders um, would be trained and approved by other qualified leaders. This would include formal and informal training, um, as well as careful examination of the leader's life and gifts. Having a process to qualify elders helps to ensure that the that the church leaders are both gifted and spiritually mature, because. If you have people in leadership that aren't spiritually mature themselves, then this creates a problem within the body of Christ. Now, so when other leaders, other elders can approve, train, and, and then give their blessing on these new elders, this helps produce um, quality leaders in the body of Christ. So let's go, let's go back to the scriptures. I'm, I'm going to read uh, again. So the, the purpose of the, the elders who lead the church, the fivefold ministry who lead the church is to prepare God's people for works of service. That word prepare is often translated train or equip so that the body of Christ may, built, may be built up. Now I want you to look at this verse here. Now, this one is one we, we, we probably just don't like in our culture. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. So the verse says that we are to submit ourselves to godly leadership. Now, to those who say, I, I don't need to submit myself to godly leadership. It's just me and the Lord. I'm under Jesus' authority. Well, understand, Jesus gave authority to the fivefold ministry. This verse said we should submit ourselves to elders. They should be qualified elders. They should, you know, they should be proven, trained, um, uh, called by God, recognized by other leaders. Now, see, a lot of people just resist any kind of training in their life. But, you know, Galatians 4 tells us that, that you can be a son. A son has a right to everything, but he, for a season, is under teachers, guardians, protectors until the time appointed by the Father. Same thing in our life. Remember what I said. In order to have authority, we must be submitted to authority. This brings accountability into our life as well. It, and uh, John Bevere, in his book, I will reference this, in his book, Undercover, talks about pr the protection that comes from godly leadership. Now, I, every time I teach about this, people say, well, what about abusive spiritual leadership? Now, it does exist. Abusive spiritual leaders do exist. But for a moment, I want to talk to you about what uh, does not constitute spiritual abuse. Again, this program is going to run a little longer than those I normally do, but I'm not going to be too much longer. But for a moment, I want to talk about what does not constitute spiritual abuse. Number one, if someone, if a spiritual leader in your life, an elder in your life, challenges you concerning sin, that is not spiritual abuse. They, they have an obligation. First Corinthians 5 
says that the church has an obligation to judge the church. Now, I know that that's like a dirty word in our culture, and, and you know, um, and, and in our contemporary church culture, everybody takes Matthew 7, takes two words, judge not, <laughs> and, and, and doesn't even read the rest of what Jesus taught on the subject. They say, well, no one's ever allowed to tell me anything I'm doing is wrong. Well, Jesus himself followed up and just said, now listen, you can't take everybody at face value to examine their fruit. So that's just simply not what Jesus meant. He did mean you don't go around acting like you're better than others, pointing others out other people's faults while you ignore your own. Now, he taught about that kind of nasty condemnation. But 1 Corinthians 5 says that the church absolutely has as, as a job to make decisions and to point out error in the, in, in, in the life of Christians. Now, 1 Corinthians 5 says that we are not to judge the world. God will do that. But for the church, now go study this yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, just read it all. Um, and, and read what you know scripture says. So if someone challenges you, use the word of God. Now I'm not talking about some legalistic man-made doctrine, but use the word of God, challenge you on sin in your life, that's not abuse. Now Galatians 6 does tell us that if we are you know pointing out sin, we shall restore people gently and humbly. And, and uh, only in the case of now this is tough, but but, but you know, if an elder sins, um, the, the scripture says then, then that that should be verified by several witnesses, and then they are to be corrected before in front of everyone so that others may fear. Now, that's, that's strong language, but it's in the scripture. Um, I didn't necessarily mean to get into all that, or I just provided the verses for you, but it's here in the scripture. It says not to uh, carelessly accuse Elders, so don't carelessly accuse your pastor. Uh, many in our culture just carelessly point fingers and and accuse pastors and leaders. You got to be careful with that. This has to be found about two or three witnesses. It has to be investigated thoroughly. Then that person should be corrected by other leaders in front of the the whole body. So there's a big responsibility on the elders. But now for the rest of us, you know, people should correct us humbly and in private. And, and gently, um, and even when you're correcting an elder or when other elders are having to bring church discipline against elders, it should be done decently and, 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 and gently. He said, because consider yourself, uh, next time it could be you. So I'm not talking about this right in the church just to start just whacking on each other, you know. There's a right and wrong way to correct people concerning their sin, but it's not spiritual abuse if someone tells you you're sinning. Let me tell you something else that's not spiritual abuse. I know it's probably not popular, but if someone tells you no, if a spiritual leader doesn't give you your way in a church, doesn't mean you're being abused. Uh, you, 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 you know, you have to understand that the, everyone doesn't get their way on everything, and somebody has to make decisions. You're like, I know God told me. Well, and as I tell people that when it comes into the life of our church, the elders have to answer to God for this. And if you're certain that God is telling you something opposite of what he's telling the elders, then you just rest and you say, Lord, I'll just kind of submit that to you and my church leadership and, and, and trust that God will take care of us if we're wrong in this. Pray for us if we're wrong in this. Now, if they're blatantly teaching against Scripture, against the fundamental doctrines of Scripture, because, you know, when I say, you know, they're not teaching Scripture, you know, you, you know we as Christians, we divide and fight a a million different ways, but there are basic essential doctrines of Scripture that we must adhere to. Um, listen, 
we can't all get our way all the time. So if a leader tells you no, that don't mean they're being abusive. Also, if a leader tells you wait, you should wait. You should train. That doesn't mean they're being abusive. As a matter of fact, a good godly leader will make sure that your character is developed, make sure you're trained before they put you into ministry because they care for your soul before they care for your gifts. Now, I just said it, and I'm going to say it again. A godly leader will care for your soul before they care for your gifts. And a lot of people are just looking for, for platform and position. And let me tell you, be careful with people who are always looking for platform position. Also be careful with people who are always trying to entice you with platform and position. Listen to me carefully. Because sometimes a godly leader will tell you to wait and to train. And they're not being mean, but they're caring for your soul before they care for that gift. Now, um, if these are godly people, who the anointing of God is on our life. They've proven themselves. They've been tested and tried. We have to submit ourselves to Ephesians 4, 11, and 12, fivefold ministry. Can there be abusive ministry in the church? Absolutely. Being told you're sinning is an abuse. Being told no is an abuse. Being told to wait is an abuse. As a matter of fact, if a person can't handle these three, 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 three things, they can't handle being told, listen, there's sin in your life, and, and let me help you with this. They can't handle being told no. They can't handle being told away. It's a sign of immaturity. It's a sign of not being ready for authority. You might be gifted. Remember, David was anointed by Samuel to be king, but then he returned to the sheep, and it was years later. Remember, Joseph had a dream that he would rule, but then he, was, he went through many, many years before that happened. God prepared and trained him. You don't go from the point of uh, gifts and callings to promotion the same day. It's not very popular with people, but it's a sign of immaturity if you can't handle someone telling you to wait, telling you no, or telling you you need to correct sin in your life. Now, again, I know I'm not, this isn't popular teaching, but this is just biblical, remember, biblical authority in our lives. Now, I, I'm going to wrap this teaching up about talking about the levels of spiritual leadership you need in your life. It's going to be a couple minutes more, but I think it's important that we get through this uh, tonight. Now, and I'll go back and forth on, on this slide um, a, f a few times. Now, I want to start at the bottom. Here's what you need. First and foremost, you need a spiritual mentor. That might not be your pastor or an elder in your church. It might be or it might not be. Chances are it's just going to be a person who's strong in the faith. This is not just someone who stands in front of a room and teaches you, which is important, but this is someone who is in your life that you can ask questions of, that you can receive support of. They can give you real-time feedback. It's if, if your church is above 15 or 20 people, it's impossible to think your pastor can give you or one pastor can give everyone in the church this type of real-time feedback in our life. Um, there's a lot that they can do, but they can't give you the one-on-one -on -one attention. Now, you need this in your life. 
And not only that, you need to mature to the point that you can be this type of mentor to someone else. You might not ever be called elder or pastor or any of the fivefold ministry gifts, but you can help mentor other people when you receive the right training in your life and you grow up in the Lord, you can then turn around and invest in someone else. This is how the kingdom grows. This is how a healthy church family uh, functions in that sons and daughters under the authority of fivefold ministry grow up to the point that they are sons and daughters excuse me, that they are mothers and fathers. Again, let me say it again. Sons and daughters, spiritual children, grow up to the point that they can become spiritual mothers and fathers under the watch care of, of elders. Now, I, I, I would love to do a lot more teaching on this, but the time won't permit me. And, and But if you keep listening to me, you're going to hear me talk about these concepts a lot, how the Lord wants us all to mature. Uh, Hebrews uh, tells us about many of us are in the high chair demanding milk, and God says, it's time for you to be in the kitchen cooking for others. You should be teaching by now. That doesn't necessarily mean standing in front of the room, a room with lessons, but your life, you can mentor, you can, you can model to others and see you need this in your life as well. So let me jump back over to the slide and let's go through this. Um, I don't have time uh, to go in detail in every part that I want. I've already gone a few minutes over what I normally do, but this is this is worth it. So just, just I think it's worth it. So just hang in here with me, okay? So you need a spiritual mentor in your life. That's someone who you can relationally connect with. Write that down if you're taking notes. Relationally connect with. Not just someone you see in the front of the room. And, and it's unrealistic to think your pastor can do this for everyone. There needs to be someone in the church, someone in your life that you can, there's more mature than you are, that you can relationally connect with and then you need to get to the point to where you're a spiritual mentor to others but then those spiritual mentors and you should be under the care of elders and elders is the evangelist pastors teachers the fivefold ministry but i want to go a step further and say that your church your elders should be connected to regional apostolic and prophetic leadership now to many, this is a new concept. I'm not just talking about being connected to a denomination. I'm not against denominations that they function, you know, biblically, and, and I'm not against that. But I'm talking about even beyond your denomination. What is God doing in your city? What is God speaking to the region you're in? And God has appointed apostolic and prophetic leadership, and why would I put them even above the others? Because this isn't a hierarchy so much as is a level of responsibility. Scripture says that the, that the church is built on the apostles and prophets. And so even the evangelist pastors and teachers should be um, su subject to the direction of the apostles and prophets. Apostles and prophets are kind of like generals over a region or area. Um I'm not so much talking about control in your church by, by an apostle or prophet as I am your church being aligned with a regional vision. Uh, and maybe uh, we need to spend a whole 30 minutes just talking about that sometime. Uh, again, a new concept, and a lot of you are saying, oh, Jay, I don't know if, if my church is this, I don't, you know, what you're describing, I, I don't know any churches like it. Hold on, because God is forming new wineskins. God is forming this the New Testament ecclesia um, and giving them authority and power. Hold on, 
And if you're interested in more of this, reach out to me and we can try to figure out what's going on in your area and get you connected. Now, listen, uh, regional apostles and prophets, though, are not just a God unto themselves. They should also be in alignment with other apostolic and prophetic leadership. You see this? So you have a spiritual mentor that's under elders. Elders are under regional apostolic and prophetic leadership, and that prophetic uh, regional apostolic prophetic leadership is aligned with other um, apostolic prophetic leadership. Let me just speak to you real quick if you feel like that you, um, if you are a pastor, if you're an evangelist, if you're a teacher, you're shepherd in a church, um, the need to be connected to a vision bigger than your local church. Your local church is important. I'm a local church pastor. I am a champion of the local church. However, the local church, when God wrote, for instance, to the elders of the church of Galatia, he wasn't talking just to uh, one you know, church building with a pastor, three deacons, and, you know, 40 members. He was talking to the church of the region, you know, Corinth, the church of the city, uh, Ephesus, the church of the city. He's talking to the whole church. See, God has a desire and plan for your region and city, and local churches should be submitted to that authority as well. Just makes sense. Go back and listen to the teaching a few times. It's taken me years to really uh, get my thinking square on this. And let me let me just say this to you. This is where I'm at today. I'm not claiming to be the final authority on this, but as I study Scripture and as I've seen it practically lived out, and even through as I study church history, we see that God blesses submission to authority. And authority is submitted to authority that's submitted to authority that's ultimately Jesus is Lord of all of it. In my final minute, I'm just going to leave, leave you with a couple of, of uh, 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 warning. I have said this on other, um, I said this on uh, episode a couple of days ago, and I just feel to say it again as I wrap this up. God says to be careful with whom you align yourself with this in this, in this season. Align yourself with passionate people of prayer, people of the presence. Align yourself with regional apostolic and prophetic leadership, people who have a kingdom mindset and are bringing people around what God is doing in a city or region. These type of apostolic leaders will also align themselves with apostolic leaders of other regions. Here's some things to avoid. Avoid aligning yourself with people who are only seeking platform, position, or promotion. Also avoid people who keep enticing you with platform, position, or promotion and are not focused first on your soul, focused on your training and your preparation. Because this is just pride in the name of ministry. Avoid aligning yourself with people who can only see what God is doing in their specific ministry or their church. We believe in the value of the local church, but true revival is about, what, about God saturating the city, God's kingdom uh, coming uh, to life in a region. And we're not just talking about growing one congregation. We're talking about God's work for the city, God's work for the region. And lastly, avoid aligning yourself with people who reject church authority. 
I'm going to say avoid aligning yourself with people who reject what I'm teaching you here tonight. Because there is a major reset in the church right now. And some people are seeing this reset as a time to just reject all authority because they, because they think that wineskin is, oh, listen, that wineskin of godly uh, church elders leading you is as old as scripture. This, is, this isn't a man-made tradition. Can it get messed up at times? Absolutely. Can it express itself different and from one generation to the other? Absolutely. And, and we'll talk about different expressions of that. But to reject the, the, um, the authority and leadership and to say, all I need is Christ. Uh, I have freedom in Christ. Let me explain to you what scripture calls that. He, it, scripture calls that rebellion and lawlessness, where there's no accountability in your life. There's no one um, who's subject to authority, subject to the Lord, having access to your life. So you're just a God to yourself. Uh, scripture uh, resists that type of person. And so I want to tell you that God's new uh, wineskin, the reset in the church, is not discarding of church leadership. And every man just being a law to himself and, and, and having no need for anyone to say anything to them. No, that, that's, that's not biblically where God is leading us. What this is, is just an expression of witchcraft. That's strong language. But scripture tells me that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. When we resist the fivefold ministry that God has placed, that Jesus appointed in the church, godly fivefold ministry, are they perfect? No. You're not going to find a perfect church. And as my dad used to always say, if you find one, don't join it. You'll mess it up. You'll mess it up for everyone. You're not going to find a perfect church. But men and women who are doing their best to walk in alignment with Scripture, even when they do fail, they handle their failures the way Scripture does, they own it, confess, they grow, move forward. Listen, this is what God's desire is for your life. Be careful about people who, who um, talk about freedom in Christ as, as an excuse to resist all accountability in your life. That, that if the, they're the only one that's going to decide if they're wrong about anything. Now, yeah, guys, that's not the scriptural mandate. Be careful of that. Now, Father, even as we wrap up tonight, I just pray that you would bring together the church that bears your name. We're all learning, Lord. We're all growing. And God, help us to mature, even as your word says. Help us to mature to the place. We're not tossed around by every wind and doctrine, but we're trained by your leadership into maturity in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Listen, if this teaching spoke to you, I just encourage you to go back and review it, share it with others, and let's just keep growing together. Stay focused on what the Lord is doing despite all the uncertainty around you. Listen, guys, I love and appreciate you. You take care.